What is agnosticism? What's going on, everybody? I was uh, doing another episode that I just released, actually, just like now, basically. Um, just before I started recording, at least, this episode. And and it was, I was in it, I was talking about, like, how you really, truly cannot know something, right? It's a very deep, interesting problem. You know, because... There's this like there can be this this misconception that people can have, where they they think that there are just objects like this physical object here, it's physical, it's real, and there's nothing else, right? Um, but but that itself is a concept. We don't know for absolute certainty that there is an object that is physical. It's not necessarily known that it is physical. We can know through experience that we can sit on this object. We, there, there is a certain texture to this object and things like this. But what do we actually know? Like, uh, Because I'd, I'd argue that most of the time, you... What you think you know are actually concepts. And I'm going to try to make this point that all concepts are not knowledge. They're not truth. Um, and I will be making this point in different ways here, even though you probably will not get it because it's, it's something that you almost have to like become aware of within yourself. Um, but I will give you like an easy, simple example of this, of God, you know, do we know for absolute certainty that God exists? If you are very strong within your ideas about God, you would say yes, right? But have you talked to God? Have you seen him slash her in a sort of physical, material kind of way, things like this, right? The answer is no, you have not. Probably not, right? Like if you have, it's a, is, do you, how do you know that this is God or it's just some kind of delusion that you have about you know, God, or whatever, right? And so this is the deep problem of of reality, which is where this idea of true agnosticism comes into play, which is the term I'm using here. Um, You know, because there is a lot of contradictory views about God and God doesn't exist or God does exist or whatever. And we don't have any conclusive evidence one way or another, right? So what I want to make the point of here is that you can't 
necessarily know anything definitively. And that all of these concepts... You see, because because one of the things that we uh, we do... Sorry, I'll get to that point eventually, but... One of the things that we do is we do this thing where we, like, say, like, oh, this is an object. This is physical. This is a real thing, right? But those are concepts. This is not the object itself, right? Those are concepts that we kind of, like, overlay upon or on top of what we see, what we uh, hear, what we touch, what we smell, whatever it is. And then we call those concepts reality, right? The concept is, or the the uh, thing itself is reality. The idea that this is a real thing is, is a concept. It's not real in itself, necessarily. And so... If you're trying to understand the world, you use concepts to understand it. Like, awareness is not enough, usually, to get you to any kind of understanding. Like, you sometimes have to dig deeper into this thing called observing, the things that you're observing, things like this, to kind of get to the heart of what is. But because... There is a, a lot more interpretation going on with your awareness. Your like that makes you um, not see that this is a concept. Right? So let's say it gives a good example of like a, like a, like the couch that I'm sitting on right now. I'm sitting on a couch right now. Uh, you probably have a an image in your mind. A bit of couch. You probably have a concept in your mind called couch. You probably think of a couch as like a, a something that is usually like in a straight line, you know, this kind of thing. Um, when in fact, actually, this couch is kind of more L-shaped, but, but and so in reality, in your awareness, truly, you have concepts, most of them implicit, that are kind of like used to explain the thing called couch. And even the term couch itself is a concept, which is also, funnily enough, within another concept called language. You know, because without language, we wouldn't know what a couch is. You know, if, if you know, if you know, like, German or something, what do you know about a couch? You don't know what a couch is. You probably use a different word for couch in German or Spanish or whatever. And so, once you start to kind of deconstruct the concepts from the experiences themselves... You start realizing like, oh, wait a minute. The things that I thought were real were just concepts. <laughs> and like we assume that 
this is reality. We assume that this physical thing right here is a reality, like an actual physical thing. And we have the con we have this concept called physical, right? Physical is something that's a very tangible, you know, this kind of thing, right? Um, when maybe it's not. What if it's not physical at all? What if it isn't isn't uh, real in this kind of like physical? There are objects kind of thing, but it is still a thing that you're experiencing. It's just a deep problem of deconstruction because once you start getting to a deeper level of deconstructing things, you honestly have to start questioning the existences of concepts themselves. Because at the deepest levels, <clears throat> at the deeper levels at least, of doing this, you start understanding that A lot of the things that we understand are not the thing themselves, but the concepts about the things. You know, if I, if I said the word refrigerator right now, you have some implicit notion of what a refrigerator is. And you think about this. You're probably thinking about it right now because I brought up the refrigerator. You know, and so you might have this idea about what a refrigerator might look like. And maybe the refrigerator has uh, two doors side by side. Or maybe you have one that is the fridge. You know, the two doors side by side, the fridge and the freezer uh, t t next to each other kind of thing. Uh, or you might think of the ones where the fridge is on the bottom and the freezer is kind of on the top, right? And so you might have these different ideas connected to the term refrigerator. And you might have this idea about the refrigerator cooling things and things like this. Now, there's nothing wrong with these concepts at all. I'm not saying concepts are bad and you shouldn't use them. I'm simply just trying to get you to become aware that what you think of as a refrigerator or what you are seeing and observing when it comes to a refrigerator is mostly not the refrigerator itself. It's these concepts, these implicit assumptions about what a refrigerator is. Um, and there's the kind of profound level to this, and there's the practical level of this. Um, because <laughs> on the profound level of this, you start asking yourself, like, well, okay, David, I get it, right? There's there's the concept called refrigerator and all these assumptions about the refrigerator. You know, I call it like the labels within labels. It's like, you know, we had this system in our heads. Uh, I was talking with some friends about this kind of thing. And I, I made an episode a little bit and I was talking about it as well. Where basically what we have is we have like a, a sort of filing cabinet in our head for different things, right? Like the idea of a refrigerator. You think of a 
specific kind of refrigerators that you probably have seen before or have owned before. And so, I could list a bunch of different concepts right now, different things that are within what people call this physical reality. And you'll probably have different implicit assumptions about these things. Table. What do you think of when I when I mention the word table? Table. What kind of tables are you probably thinking? You probably think about tables that you've seen before. You touched them before, whatever. You know. You're typically probably thinking of like a very typical type of table. Maybe it's a rank. Maybe it's kind of rectangle. It's longer. Um, but what if there's a table that exists that doesn't really fit many of these standards, right? And so you, your concepts are very limiting in this kind of way. Okay, so clock. What do you think of when you think of clock? Do you think of like an old time clock where the thing ticks and ticks and ticks? Do you think of like your phone as a clock? Because it is. It is a clock. It's telling the time right now. It says it's 11.20 a.m. right now. Things like this, right? So we're going deep with this. So animal. What do you think of when I use the term animal? Probably different animals that you've known in the past. Different cats or dogs or whatever. But what about something what about the what about something that you didn't think of that's also an animal like a raccoon or a giraffe or a dolphin or something yeah this is this is very much where we're going into here uh, <laughs> you know the dolphin or not the dolphin sorry of course you think of dolphin you think of probably you have very implicit assumptions about a dolphin as well Which brings up memories um, that you've that you've had where you've seen dolphins or heard dolphins or whatever, and so there's like a different association to this, right? Deconstructing concept. So concept. What do you think when you think of the term concept? Right. You probably have implicit ideas and assumptions about this word concept, but then we're we can go even deeper than this with the words like because what are we using right now when we're thinking and we're speaking right now like we're speaking we're using language what language English what do you think of when you think of the language English right and it, it goes it can go even Further, you can say, well, what, are, what would be some limits of the language English, right? That's an interesting question because if you know no other language but English, you wouldn't know any other limits. You don't know if there is any limits to the language of English. Um.
And so basically, this is all about we're basically your meta on our understandings of things. And the point is not to do this just for the sake of doing this. It's to get you to understand that like most of the things that we think we understand are not out here in this kind of physical reality type of thing. It's related to the concept. Because the, the mind overlays the concept upon reality and calls this concept reality. Or at least calls it understanding of reality or something like this. And so it thinks that this concept equals reality in this kind of way. At the, at the most extreme level, it thinks the concept is reality. At the least extreme reality, it thinks of the concept as just a concept. Most people are kind of in the middle where they realize that, where, the, where they kind of have merged the two together implicitly without realizing it. Until I make you, you think about this and you go, oh, yeah, you're right. It's just a concept. You know, this kind of thing. And so, the basic point of this is to get you to understand that the concept is not as... Uh, Objective as the mind may think it is. Uh, there's this like idea that like you have to if you know the truth that is truth, right? But what do, what do we think of when we think of truth? What do you think of when I when I say like something is true? You think of like different concepts. Like if if I ask you right now, what do you think is a true thing or a real thing or whatever. What do you think of? What do you think of as something that is truthful? You might you might be giving me the definition in your mind about what truthfulness is or whatever. But you'll probably also be thinking about different things that you think are truthful and things are not truthful. Um, and this kind of thing. But... Really, those are not truthful things. Those are concepts about reality that you've overlaid on top of reality that you now call truth, true things. But those concepts aren't things that are necessarily representative of reality, right? Because how do you truly know if something is real or not? Or true or not? Uh, this is the deep problem of objectivity, honestly. Because if you look deep enough, you have to start to become honest about the fact that you don't know what is true or not. Um, in this way. Now, this doesn't mean that there are no such thing as like reality like there's no such a thing as a couch or anything like this that's also a true false statement we're not we're not trying to get you to the opposite side of this where we're going like oh there's no physical reality or there's no 
God or whatever. Actually, what we're trying to do is to get you closer and closer to the state of, of true openness. Because it's not about saying that there is no such thing as truth or no such thing as objectivity. We're getting into this sort of darkness, right? There's a, and I'm not talking about darkness in the like, typical way that when we people think of the, when they say the word darkness, like, oh, this is such a dark thought, so negative or whatever. I'm talking about true concept black darkness to where you don't know if something is true or not. And you know you don't know. You realize that you don't know what true, what false is not, or if something is false or not. And this is where the true um, agnostic lays. Uh, agnosticism, by the way, I think is a term that is underused. Because most people use this term when it comes to things like God. Um, but I think that term could be used for like literally anything. Like you could you if you if you want to be completely honest about things, uh, you really don't know if something is absolutely true or not. You think you know you think that this is true, but that thinking is a concept that you ha have overlaid upon the thing that you see, that you experience, that you remember, whatever it is. But that thinking isn't necessarily true. I mean, how many people in the world do you know, or not even necessarily even know, but that you have heard about it, that have believed things that are false? Like that the earth is flat, or whatever. I mean, maybe the earth is flat, right? Um, and so... The point is not to get you to say, like, that the earth is flat, or like. For instance, if I question you about the fact that if the earth is round, what are mountains, right? It doesn't mean that I think the earth is flat. That, that, that just means that I don't know if the earth is round or flat. You don't know. You can't tell the difference. Concept-wise. This is true openness. All you can do, really, is... Find out if how closely your concepts match reality, and that's it. But that doesn't mean that if they match reality more than some other concept, that this concept is absolutely true. There may be aspects of it that are uh, close to. Uh, there might be some some uh, aspects of this concept that are mimicking. Reality, but uh, that doesn't mean that the entire concept itself is true, or that even this aspect of the concept is completely true. In this like absolutely like objective way, because all we know is ourselves. We don't know what objective reality is. We don't know, for instance, what a dog is, um, unless we experience it, unless we pet it, unless it barks at us. And those are subjective experiences. We cannot know objective experiences. We cannot know things without 
our localized field of awareness. Um, and so this is why I'm saying that we, all of us, should be true agnostics in this way. Now, this is a very deep, kind of profound episode. It's it's definitely very confusing to you uh, if you're listening as well, because you're probably like, "Oh, this is too complex, too complex and stuff." Um, and I'm, admittedly, it is still very a new concept that I'm still kind of working through here. But the point is not really to confuse you or to get you to believe things that you don't now ordinarily believe. It's to get you to a true place of darkness where there is no concept that is overruling reality in the same way. You now have separated the concept from reality and you realize that maybe it's not true, maybe it is true. Um, it's kind of like the saying, maybe, maybe not, right? What, if, what happens if I do this? You know, what happens? This will happen. Maybe, maybe not, right? Um, whatever will be, will be. Uh, and the more that you can kind of see this in real life and realize this, is the more you can start to kind of open your mind but you have to see it. If you cannot see it, you will not re- really understand what is going on here. The concepts and why agnosticism is true. And you will become like dogmatic and things like this. Which is not really going to help you to Truly be able to see where your concept doesn't necessarily match with reality, right? With what you see in this way. And so this is the uh, point of working frameworks. I made an episode a, a while back called Understanding Working Frameworks. And basically what this, what this phrase means... Working frameworks is that all you can really do is look at the different things that you think are true, that you think are false, observe them within reality. Maybe that means you have to do a little deconstructing of the story and things like this as well. And see what aspects of this are true or false. And just add this into your working framework, but it doesn't mean that the working framework is completely correct or incorrect. It's something that you can change. You can move around these different things. It's like a, it's like a modular thing. Um, I think, I think it's, I think I called it like understanding working frameworks. I might not have gone as in depth with it on this one, but um, And so, working frameworks is like this way of like doing this in a more 
sort of open-minded, almost uh, uh, agnostic frame of mind. Because like I said, you don't know if this is true or not. You don't know what is true, what is false, what is true. You think you know. Your concept-based mind says that this is true or false. But do you know this absolutely for certain? Um, because the truth is you don't, really. None of us really do. We're kind of guessing based on the story that we have about reality, about the observing that we're doing about um, of reality, and then kind of making sense of this with concepts. That sense-making function of the mind. It's a very deep, deconstructive episode here. Um, and I could go very deep with this, very practical as well. So what I think I'm going to do is I'm going to save this segment, make a draft, and probably wait a day or two, and, and uh, if I have to add to it, I'll add to it a little bit, or change it or whatever. But basically, I'm just trying to get you to see this. But it, to be honest with you, you probably will not, will not be able to see it because it's very, uh, it's very deep. And if you're not at a, this kind of level of awareness, you're not really going to see it. But uh, at the very least, I can get you to make your con your uh, concepts more explicit and help you to kind of decouple the concepts from reality itself. And then, and then you have to kind of work from it from there. You have to figure it out from there. So anyways, I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I'll talk to you in the next. So, to add to this episode, <clears throat> I was using the word agnosticism. You could use the word skepticism. It doesn't really matter. I think skepticism probably is more uh, accept, assess, accessible as an understanding. Um, so, probably skepticism would work better. Um, though most people, they use their skepticism outwardly. They don't really use it on themselves and their own ideas and constructions, um, which is what we're trying to do. We're trying to use it inwardly, not outwardly, because outwardly we can actually, what, what the mind does, and it's a very, it's a very, uh, insidious process, but what it does literally is it will, to protect its own ideas, it will look outwards and see other people's ideas and go, oh, look at this, they're so dumb or they're so wrong or they're, they're, so, they're so stupid to keep you from uh, doing this to your own ideas. So how do you really do this, right? How do you um, start to see through the cracks of your mind, so to speak, your story? And really it's about breaking down all of this stuff to its individual parts, which is like what I I want to call it like a deep awareness or a differentiating based awareness where you're differentiating, you're making these deep, deep distinctions uh, in this way, right? Uh, and there's basically several things that are involved here. Uh, it's a bit of a, a longish list, but... 
things like thoughts or in emotions, assumptions, memory, sensations, things like this, are a big part of this. So the way that this works, and I talked about a little bit of this in the episode that I did yesterday, which was why I stopped drinking as much. I talked about how the reason why, you know, you might have an addiction to something is because there is a basically an, uh, a memory of you doing this and there's interpretations you have about your drinking like, oh, I'm doing it to get drunk or whatever, which gets reinforced over time because that's in your memory of you doing this uh, more and more and more, right? If you just did that one time, it wouldn't necessarily affect you habit-wise and personality-wise. But if you did that 10 or 30 or 40 or 90 or more times for like a few years or whatever, it would start to create a habit within your mind that your mind now uses to so that that that, that thou is kind of like activated – Within you, when somebody says, hey, you want a drink? You go, yeah, sure. And that's it. The habit starts up and he goes, oh, yeah, now I want to get drunk or whatever. You know, whatever it is. Um, just to give you a simple example of how this can work. So thoughts, emotions, sensations, assumptions, m- memory. Um, it's a bit of a long list. I wish I could try to... Uh, narrow this down but a lot of it has to do with and this is going to be this may be very different for you but what I've noticed is that uh, the way that it works is very much based on these different things these different elements your mind basically works like a machine and you can literally take all of this apart and see its individual parts and see how it fit, fit together and see how it you, when you deconstruct it it starts making sense why you know because the the mind it like does this thing where it fluidizes all these different elements uh, Buddhism talks about this there's the the five uh, aggregates or the five scanders or whatever they call it which is um, sensation. No, it's uh, form, which is like matter, like a chair or a couch. Then there's the sensation of the form that you're feeling, your subjective uh, understanding of the form. Like you're feeling your, your butt in the couch, either the couch is soft or hard or whatever, which is the perception. You have that thought, oh, this is a soft couch. This is the hard couch. The, sen- the form is uh, it's almost like... Uh, an automatic result of the sensation. Like you start noticing like, the, oh, this is the sensation. What does it feel like? Oh, it feels soft or hard or warm. And so it creates all these labels about different things in this way. And then there's mental formation, which takes many different kinds of forms. But like thoughts and emotions and... Uh, assumptions like there's assumptions about like because 
this, like I was uh, doing this with songs actually. So what I was doing, to give you an example of how this works, is I was listening to a song and it made me think of things and it was making me remember things and I had like certain sensations and emotions going and stuff like this. And I'm thinking, well, what is causing this really? If I look deep into this, can I figure it out? And I figured it out, right? But it, it requires you to take apart these basic four elements. Uh, you know, mental formation is like habits and thoughts and emotions. There's more of a concept-based reality within this. Uh, you know, like attention, things like this. It's, it, it, it can get very uh, complex, like if you look deep enough into it. But really, it, it just is about taking apart all of this. Because when the, the mind has it all set up to, to where it's so fluid that it looks natural, it looks real. Um, and that's how the self is kind of like reinforced, because it, is, it, it knows how to keep all these things fluid like this. So that when you start to take these things apart like this, uh, and the, the last one too is consciousness, which is just like your awareness, you're aware of all these different things and sensations and stuff. But anyways, once you start taking apart all these different things, you start to like get like a sense of uh, of a detaching that happens because like. It's like what happens like if you if you have a joke or something. Let's say somebody tells a joke, right? Um, if somebody explains the joke to you, and especially in a, in a lot of detail, it's not going to be as funny to you anymore because it's not because you understand how it works, and it was explicitly explained to you. This is really what we're doing here. And so that's why this is important to do sometimes. Not always, like not every second of the day kind of thing, but it's just something to do to keep you from becoming basically like fooled by this imaginary fluidity that's there. Um, it's a very interesting process. I actually made an episode a long, it was a while back, I forget what I called it, where I, was, I basically went into how to basically do this. It was very uh, practical and it was very much based on like the experience of doing this. But uh yeah, it's 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 definitely a deeper process. So, yeah, that's the deep truth about skepticism, which I'll probably change it to skepticism instead of agnosticism, um, because it is what it is. It's more, it is more of a skepticism. So. 90, I would argue, I'm going to make the point here that 99% of something something that you think is real is a concept, is the concept itself. Um, you know, like we went into all those different examples, that's basically how you do it. You deconstruct it, you can go very, very deep with it too, and you can start to even deconstruct the power of language itself, like English... Uh, and all this other stuff, and like, you you can start to see how it all fit, fit how it all fit together in this really interesting way. It's pretty interesting, but anyways, 
I know this is very complex. I will try to practicalize this more in another episode in the future. Because I do think it's something that people really need to learn how to do, especially for things that are really difficult for them to deal with, like negative emotions or belief systems that are causing a lot of problems and things like this. Um, But until then, hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope this helps you anyways, and I will talk to the next one.